Welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your country's place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the stellar pup himself, Michael Mapton. How are you? I am, um, I'm okay. I'm okay. Kind of annoyed right now. How are you? I, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, you obviously have had a little bit of trouble getting <laughs> getting into the studio today, so I know your traffic seemed uh, horrible. Yeah. So, for the listeners, Billy obviously knows this already, but, uh, so I take the train home from work, which is usually pretty cool, you know. Um, it's very convenient, but sometimes weird things happen, like I've seen two dead bodies in the past two months. Um, but today there was, uh, I laughed, but it's not funny. Um, <laughs> like, what else do you do besides laugh? That's really what it is. Uh, yeah, but there was a, a tr- there was a pretty bad storm, so... It, some trees fell on the tracks and they just, you know, took some time to get rid of them. So casually added like 40 minutes to my commute. Yeah, less than ideal. Uh, but, you know, we're still going to record, obviously. We're going to have a slightly shorter episode. So um, this will be kind of a, a quick drive-by type episode. Vroom, um, vroom. Vroom, vroom. Vehicles all the way. Well, I guess it's not Pioneer, so we don't need to talk about vehicles. Uh, we get to jump right into Modern, which I think will be pretty cool. Uh, we've had a, a lot of events over the last week, uh, weekend, I guess, between the Modern Showcase Challenge and then the challenges themselves and then also, like, the NRG. Uh, so I feel like there's a lot to look at in Modern. Um, try to hit some the quick hitters here. Um, if you look at the Modern Showcase Challenge, one of the lists that did uh, fairly well is a red-white uh, deck that this is actually something we're seeing in Pioneer, oddly enough. Um, the, you know, playing those zero mana spells like Memnite Ornithopter, uh, being able to kind of get that critical mass with things like Goblin Bushwhacker and Venerated Loxodon, put a lot of pressure on the board really quickly. Um, interesting to see it in Modern, though. Is it weird that I, like, I feel like so much stuff has happened, I had already forgotten that the Showcase Challenge was this weekend? Not at all. I, I'm actually in the same boat where I saw it and I was like, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay. Well... <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, so I'm actually not terribly surprised to see this deck showing up. Um, I can't, I can't remember for certain who it was. I want to say it was Mogged, has been, like, playing this deck in Modern for a little bit now, and constantly talking about, like, how good it is, and just, like, constantly, like, double-queuing and managing to put up, like, you know, not insane, but, like, reasonable results. Um, and, like... I don't know if you've played with her against the deck in Pioneer, but it's very powerful there. And so yeah. in Modern, getting to add Kadotha Rebirth um, and just make your deck that much more consistent does seem very strong. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the other one I, that I've been a fan of, I know you've actually been a fan of this one too, is the Asmo deck. Uh, playing our best companion, uh, Samwise Gam G. Um, we we're trying to figure out ex- exactly what deck that would end up in, um, that combination of Cauldron Familiar and Samwise, and I think you mentioned last week that putting it in a, a shell with Asmo, where you're producing so much food already, just seems like a, a slam dunk. Yeah, I, you know, I'm definitely curious to see what the exact list ends up looking like. Um, you know, we do have that top eight, uh, it was Bill Sive, I believe, top eighted, um, mm-hmm. and their deck looks good. But, like, there's still a lot of ways you can build it. Um, so I'm definitely very interested in seeing this deck in action more moving forward. Have you gotten the chance to play with her against it? No, that is on the agenda for this week. I've got a couple a couple decks I, I want lined up. Um, this is one of them, um, as well as the... Um, 
I think it was Nassif was playing a uh, a list that was more like Malirapa, I guess, uh, Yogmoth, Green Black Yogmoth, uh, but playing Samwise in it, and that actually looked really sweet too. Being able to, um, you know, just juggle the Cauldron Familiar in that deck. So, uh, I think I'm going to try those two this week and uh, see see where they end up. Yeah, I don't know if we necessarily want to transition yet, but like uh, you mentioned, the Yogmoth deck. Uh, Yogmoth did win one of the challenges, but also there was like an Absan version that played the Samwise combo that top aided the NRG. Um, yeah. But yeah, still still looking at this deck for a second. Um, I don't think I was expecting the Cauldron Familiar, so I'm like kind of interested in that. Like you can really go nuts with Samwise and Cauldron Familiar, but like I, I don't know. There's just so many homes to this deck. Like there was also playing it with the Protean Hulk combo, saw that, like, putting up some number of results with the NRG, and that looked really exciting. Um, and then I know, like, Doomwake and I think a couple other people have been streaming with, like, uh, a company deck where you get to play, like, the Samwise combo, but you also get to play the Rosie, uh, what is it, oh, Scurry, uh, Scurry Oak, Oak. Yeah, mm-hmm. combo. So I'm just very curious to see what ends up being the right shell. Yeah, I, I really like how re- resilient, I guess I'll say, the Cauldron Familiar Samwise Gamgee combo is. The rosy Scurry Oak one, I think, is kind of awkward at points. So that, that's the one I'm, I understand, obviously, the two-card combo. At, ideally, I guess, it doesn't always end up that way, and it is very fragile, it feels like. Uh, I, I think this deck, being able to, you know, tutor up Samwise or the Cauldron Familiar with Finale of Devastation... Uh, being able to kind of chain it that way, I think, is like definitely the best way to go. But well, once again, you're right. We'll we'll definitely see where this ends up. Um, I guess while we're talking about this, let's actually talk about the Yogmoth deck. I, I really do like the idea of the Yogmoth deck. That makes a lot of sense to me, uh, for, coming from the the NRG. Yeah, I don't really have strong thoughts on it one way or the other. Um, I know the players said that their deck was like uh, very good and just like a clear direction for the deck moving forward but it is also one of those things where it's like you know you wonder how much edge they get got out of it from it being new um mm-hmm. but i like i'm also just very curious to see what yogmoth ends up looking like a month from now uh because it seems like the deck like out of the pre-established decks it seems like the one that's gotten the most shake up from the new set uh, and i'm kind of curious to see where we land like we're talking about you know, the NRG list had the the Samwise Gamgees, but the Earth Gamgees, but the Zerk won a challenge without Samwise, right? And then mm-hmm. some people are on one Orcish Bowmasters. I've seen lists with like four Orcish Bowmasters. I've seen lists with zero. Uh, I've heard some debate on if you're supposed to play Delighted Halfling or not, which uh, I am not a Yawgmoth player, but I am pretty firmly in the yes camp on that one. Um, seeing people cut strangle root guys entirely is like mind blowing to me. Um, I remember when we cut Dross Messenger, and I was like, "That seems silly," but I mm. guess if you say it's hard on the mana, I was like, "I guess you still go off. You have your young loaves and your wall of roots, but it's like <laughs> now we're just forsaking that." It it almost feels like uh, what Newton has done to combo else, where you just like make it more mid rangey over time, and eventually yeah. it's a different deck. Like, part of me wonders if Jogmoth is going to splinter into two different decks entirely. Yeah, I mean, especially the delayed halfling just seems obviously it 
it does allow you to cast uh, Samwise and your Yawgmoth and all those things, um, taking up some of the slots that were previously taken up by Birth of Paradise and, like you mentioned, Strangerroot Geist, um, just because it doesn't actually cast either of those spells. Um, but, like, the, the idea that you get to add in, like, you're adding the Samwise in because you already have the Halfling, you might as well add in the Hapatra. That makes a lot more sense now. Uh, I like a lot of things that they're doing here, and, like, especially this one um, that Chris Smith played in the NRG, uh, four copies of Grist in the main deck. Um, all makes a lot more sense when you're playing a, a 1-2, which happens to be a little bit better against Orcish Bowmaster. If you're going to play a 1-drop mana, uh, mana Dork, like playing a 1-drop that doesn't die to uh, a card you're playing yourself, I think it's, it's a good call. Yeah, and the other thing about um, the Halfling is, you know, you mentioned the two toughness. Not only dodging Bowmaster, but dodging uh, Red and Six is very big, right? Because that's a card that has always been a beating against the Yawgmoth deck. Yeah, absolutely. And it also just, like, the Halfling opens up a lot of things in the sideboard, too, just because, like, it does allow you to play, um, like, Chris is playing, like, a Shieldred, uh, playing Boromir, Warden of the Tower. That's the one that if they, if opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, you counter it, and you can sacrifice it to give your creatures indestructible and you get tempted by the ring. Uh, but also you can get to play Torok. Like, playing your triple black spell <laughs> in your deck is not impossible, but the Halfling makes it a lot better. Yeah, I think uh, Boromir is a card that has been not talked about enough. And it's funny, because every time I hear it mentioned, that's kind of what the person talking about it says, is it's not talked about enough. Um, but getting like an extra copy of this effect that can go into more decks, like we've seen this effect kind of stapled on the Lavinia before, but the issue with Lavinia is, you know, it's very difficult for decks to have white and blue mana and the decks that do have white and blue generally aren't creature decks so then it's like you're putting the super fragile creature into your like control deck or whatever and it doesn't make sense um but yeah this boromir card i think is really strong especially uh with living end being on the rise rightfully so because living End, another deck that got a bump from the new sets but also you know tons of rhinos around uh, it looks like Grinding Station Breach might be on, like, having a return, so getting to counter Mox, uh, Ambers, and Mistress Bobbles. Like, Boromir seems really well-positioned in the current metagame. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, so, in, uh, I want to transition away from this deck that's playing a lot of these new cards from, um, you know, the a set that we... Well, actually, I'll get to that in a second, but uh, this new set... Uh, transition to another card that's been making a big splash in the modern format, at least. And actually, in, in CDH, I've seen it in Legacy as well. Uh, I mean, the one ring, and I think the home that's showing up in the most, in modern at least, is in the Tron list. Um, there's actually one from the NRG, uh, Cat Miller Granger, uh, who played a, I, I don't want to say, uh, it's mono green, right? But playing three copies of the, of the one ring. Um, and then there's another list, actually, from the Modern Showcase Challenge that is... It, it is playing Tron, but it's definitely not... It's doing a different thing. It's going a little bit bigger, playing things like uh, Wandering Archaic, uh, Ulamog, Kozilek, and Thundering Titans. Like, this is definitely a, a different avenue that I don't really want to talk about right now. Um, but I do want to look at Cat Miller Granger's list, just because the One Ring has been just really impressive every time I've seen it resolve and start activating. Yeah, I mean, the card is... <laughs> really good um 
And it's funny, so I was working on my article for this week, and I, I talked about the One Ring in Tron, and I think it just fills a lot of holes for this deck, right? Like, when you think about Tron, I think, uh, you know, it's so good at generating seven mana, but when the games where it doesn't get to do that, you end up with, like, these very expensive spells just, like, stuck in your hand, and you're like, I have four or five mana, and I'm holding this, like, ten drop, and this eight drop, and this seven drop, and, like... What am I doing? It, it feels really bad. So having this card, that's a you know it can be a payoff when you have four mana, but it's still really good when you have like a million mana because it's going to draw you into your big threats. It's just mm -hmm. so good for that deck. Um, and then also like Tron has always struggled against aggressive strategies, and the One Ring, you know, it buys you a turn, which isn't forever, obviously, no. but. Yeah. Uh, just having a turn where you get to go, okay, now I'm going to work towards taking this game back, and, like, you can't really hit me this turn. You get to, like, untap, and if drawn three cards, like, maybe you're able to hit an O-Stone and, like, make your Tron. Um, and then it's very easy to take over from there, especially with the O-Stone not destroying your own one ring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems, like, just insane free value, which is really nice. Uh, the... And this card, I think, in this shell makes a lot of sense. You have the mana, you want to draw more cards, it's colorless, it's perfect. It's even indestructible, like you mentioned. Uh, I, I'm assuming this is going to pop up in more shells. Like, this is, I think, kind of an, an obvious place to put it, because the deck, you know, craves card advantage. But, like, could you imagine this thing with, like, Phyrexian on life? Just, like, I, I'm going to play this, I'm just going to draw a bunch of cards. Oh, here's my unlife. I'm going to draw a bunch more cards. Oh, I'm going to lose life. That's unfortunate. And just, just keep going off like that. Like, uh, I'm interested to see where this ends up uh, long-term, just because it just seems like a lot of room to abuse something like this. It it's, feels really funny coming, uh, coming home and talking about this, because I, like, when I was writing my article, I was supposed to be writing about just all of the set's impact on modern and mm. so far i am over a thousand words in, and i've only talked about the one ring so yes um, i'm pretty on board with this card in a lot of shells um this card is really good for breach which we mm. saw cory bowmeister win a challenge playing this card in breach uh it's really good for amulet we saw jack potter aka house of mana top eight one of them one of the challenges and um Mistaken has just been on a tear playing one rings in Amulet. Mm. I'm very annoyed because apparently we have to play four, and I only bought three, so now the price has gone up. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why I would do this to myself, but um, <laughs> I've seen it. So those are like the big homes I've seen it in. Um, but various artifact combo decks, like uh, Aspiring Spike posted one today where he's playing this. I don't know if you remember like the Semblance Anvil deck. Yeah, yeah. So fits right at home in there. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen like the mono blue uh, Civellan deck. Like, I don't think Civellan, so. Subtleties, Brazen Borrowers. Um, I saw somebody posting about getting a couple five O's with that featuring the One Ring. Apparently, I forgot to save the deck list. I'm really annoyed because I want to try it out. <laughs> um, the mono black coffers deck. It seems like a natural fit in there. Um, uh, this surge surge node tron it seems like a natural fit there dice factory that's what it's called um just it it feels like it can slot into a variety of things you know we're also seeing it in the omnath decks 
which I have heard it's good, but then I've also heard people say it's bad. Um, I have a feeling it's probably good, but you need to readjust the way your deck is built um, because you draw all these extra cards. So I think if you play more pitch elementals in the deck again, like people were going down on Furies, but like if you play like Furies uh, and then Ephemerates, because then you kind of like you're actually mm. turning the extra cards into stuff, right? Like yeah. I feel like the deck has the issue. Sure, you might end up with like 10 cards in your hand, but you can only cast one or whatever. So mm. having a way to actually maximize what you're doing, um, but fits at home there. Like it, it just fits into a lot of things. I can see it sliding into scam. I'm trying to think. Oh if yeah, any... would be good. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any big ones I've missed, but I, I mean the what I'm kind of not expecting, but looking forward to seeing. I haven't seen it yet, at least um, in Legacy. Seeing it in like the the mono black list, uh, that just seems like a a good place for it to get card advantage. But you know, for for modern, I think you know we've got a lot of places to start already between you know the decks you mentioned that I, I i'm excited to see kind of where that ends up i yeah i mean in in legacy it's going to be in a variety of things um mm. were they not playing it in the mono black deck that top eight did um i'm actually not sure I'm... uh they were not but i could no. see it sliding in there very easily um mm. the paradox zone decks look or not paradox zone i love that card but not the one i'm talking about uh mm. the paradox engine like Eight, um, eight key decks in Legacy look really nuts with the card. I've seen mm -hmm. multiple pictures of people being like, it's turn one, I've drawn like eight extra cards. <laughs> or I've also seen the, it's turn one, they drew eight extra cards and I'm dead. <laughs> Which is like, I love, I, I love those photos. Um, yeah, and like, I'm, I'm actually surprised I haven't seen it in Painter either. I thought Painter would be a place where um, it would be, I think, decent just being able to, you know, put it in your graveyard and get it back like into play on turn one or something like that. Uh, potentially, you know, get it up to like three and then get rid of it. So let's, you know, get rid of the counters. That seems decent to me too. But I'm, I'm sure. Yet. I'm sure it's something we'll see people play around with. One of the things mm -hmm. that's really awkward about it is uh, the card is like a hundred takes on Magic Online right now, and mm -hmm. Mana Traders uh, has very few of them. Uh, which people are very mad about, um, but so it's just hard for people to, to get their hands on it. So I think you know we'll see a lot more in Legacy like a couple weeks from now. In the meantime, we're going to see it a ton in Modern because there's just more paper play of Modern than there is Legacy. Yeah, for sure. And and like you also have the option. I think one of our friends was saying the the gift box or something like that comes with like a copy of the One Ring. So like there are there are a lot of avenues to get it. Uh, outside of paying a hundred dollars or trying to get it from a, a bot, so yeah, it's the the Lord of the Rings bundle. It's called. They have a couple couple different bundles, and they're like themed on various things. I guess I don't know, but the normal one just has a foil borderless the One Ring. Cool. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, much cheaper. I think they're I think they're actually pretty high too. I think it's like uh, forty bucks or something like that. It's all on paper, which is um, ridiculous because the box itself is like sixty dollars, and then it comes with packs in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think they are very hard to find in places now. But so you mm. probably won't be able to find it at like your LGS. But if you try like a Barnes and Noble or Target, you can find it at those places still. At yeah, our, our friend bought a place at <laughs> at Barnes and Noble, like a place that has the gift bundles, which is, is amazing. All right. Well, let's. 
Um, try to keep this moving here, this train. Um, let's talk about, uh, oh, a, a deck that you can play online uh, pretty easily. Let's see our friend uh, John Ryan Hamilton. Uh, been on the show before. We love uh, JR. Um, so Death and Taxes, playing with Urian. Uh, pretty basic list. Uh, some things I, I have questions about. Um, I like this card, uh, Canop uh, Tech. Scarab Swarm, uh, for those who don't know, it's a 4-mana 1-1 one, one flyer. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, exile target player's graveyard for each artifact or land card exiled this way. Create a 1-1 one, one colorless insect artifact creature token with flying. Uh, why haven't I seen people play this on Magic Online? Uh, because it's a Warhammer card, so it doesn't exist. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Well, they're also playing Comet Stellar Pup, which is a legendary planeswalker. Um, you can roll a six-sided die. If you get a one or a two, you can make a squirrel. They get haste. You get a three. You get to return a two-drop uh, from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, four or five deals damage to uh, equal to the number of loyalty counters on it uh, to a creature or player. And then uh, six, you get to re-roll, which is pretty sweet. Um, this is another card that seems pretty pretty solid, pretty powerful. Why aren't I seeing this on Magic Online? Uh, also not available, but I will say that XJ said that this card was not good in his deck. Hmm, okay, okay. Well, that's disappointing. I mean, I, I guess it's good, because like I <laughs> would like to be able to play this deck online, but, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll wait. I, hopefully the Ken uh, Up tech was pretty good. Um, it looks like a, an interesting effect, I think, for the format right now, just being able to exile people's graveyards, especially, you know, with Murktides, you've got, uh, you know, even, like, a random Life of the Loam or something like that, like that, you've got graveyards from Painter, like, there's a lot of stuff you want to hit from graveyard, so, it, that seems like a, a pretty, good, pretty it, good card. It is worth noting that, um, the Painter list that top aided the, what was it, 10k in Baltimore, uh, mm -hmm. did play a copy of the Scarab Swarm, I believe. Oh, okay. It might have been a top 16 list. I think it was the top 8 deck. Okay. So, definitely something to keep an eye out on. And, like, if you're... It's one of those cards, I guess, for better or worse, because it's not available online. I don't think a lot of people have seen it. So, you do get a little bit of value there. Um, but also, it's only, it's only, like, 3 bucks. So, if you're playing one of those decks, you know, picking up a, an extra copy for 3 bucks is hopefully not going to be a, a backbreaker. So... Uh, but obviously, congrats to Jr. Jr. is an amazing player um, and can basically win with a ham sandwich. I'm glad um, Jr. picked their favorite ham sandwich this time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, one of the other ones I, I did want to kind of point out, uh, just because I think they've been getting a lot of uh, interesting uh, things, and I, I'm interested in these, uh, obviously. Um, the Delver shells that came out, uh, both of these uh, from the Energy... Um, if I remember correctly, the Grixis Delver list ended up making top eight, but uh, the Jeskai Delver ended up getting ninth, I believe. But um, the Grixis Delver list was playing Orcish Bowmasters, which is a, a card we were talking about uh, before, uh, playing that as a three of in a Grixis shell, along with uh, two copies of Thoughtseize in the main, Snuff Out uh, for Black Spells. Uh, the only other card that's not uh, I guess standard in the, in the list would be the Stern Scolding. Um, are you surprised to see Stern Scolding in uh, Legacy? I mean, not really. The, <laughs> the card is good, right? So, uh, you know, it's, it's smart to play good cards. It's one of those things where I like I don't know if it will end up being stock or not. I, I don't really have strong thoughts or opinions there. But anytime mm -hmm. a card is like remotely playable in Dover, I am 
expecting to see it show up at least once or twice before it disappears, you know? Yeah. Like the minor misstep, I think, is like kind of the perfect card where like you can definitely play that. I don't know if you want to play that, but you definitely can play that. Um, and we, we've seen that, you know, in and out of list for a couple months now, so that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, the uh, Orcish Bowmasters, now that, you know, you've seen it a little bit more, um, is this card overhyped? Do you think it's about the power level you expect? Uh, so, I mean, it is about the power level I expect, uh, but I also have been saying it was overhyped since the first time I heard somebody talk about it. So... Um. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat too. I just like I've continued to play play against it. I'm just like okay, so we're we're just doing this, okay? And then like it's just it's the card that I mean, like I'm actually the the best thing about Workish Bowmaster is now I'm allowed to play my Is It Staticaster in my sideboard, and no one says anything about it. It's just <laughs> just okay. I love that card. So uh, thank you, Workish Bowmaster, for making my zero uh, three wizard that much better but i want i want to clarify i do think bowmasters is good right like i mm-hmm. don't i definitely don't think it's bad but like yeah. i don't know people were talking about it like oh this is going to end legacy blah, blah blah it's like no it's like it's good um when you kill like an unflip delver or like a non-delirious dragons rage channeler like that's really good or Great. when you kill Absolutely. a goblin welder like that's really good but mm-hmm. uh like actually i pointed this out like people were saying it was going to be the end of death and taxes and it is really good against death and taxes, but like mm-hmm. two copies made the top eight of the NRG, and there's two more in the top sixteen, and like people were talking about it being the end of Delver, and it's like, well, I still see plenty of Delver secrets getting cast. Um, you know, it it is a good strong tool, but that's all it is, just strong. Yeah, and like you have to looking at the the deck, right? Like how many times are you drawing extra cards like off your Lauren? Is that it? That that feeling that really draws the extra cards, I guess, unless Comet has some extra text that I'm missing. Um, I guess, like, there are definitely ways that you can get got there, but it's not it's not that easy. Um, <laughs> they're not drawing multiple cards off of you. It normally is a come to play, deal one damage, um, get a, a two one ones, which is great, just not backbreaking. So I'm happy people are kind of coming to that conclusion as well. Uh the other one I did want to look at was the Jeskai list, which I think, obviously, ninth place is heartbreaking at 611, but um, still, uh, I am very interested by uh, this list simply because of, uh, uh, I cannot pronounce this name, uh, Fourth Eolingus, uh, or, I don't know. It's a it's X, <laughs> a white and a red uh, for a sorcery. Uh, you create X. 2-2 two, two red human knight creature tokens with trample and haste, and whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to one or more players this turn, you become the monarch. Which, you know, I actually thought was, like, pretty good at just, like, a giant fireball. I'm like, that's, that's not the worst thing, right? You flood out, it's late game, it's not a huge deal. Uh, white gives you access to sort of the plowshare anyway, so, like, why not? Uh, I, I didn't realize you could just, like, play it for a red and a white and just be like, I'm going to attack my Delver. It's unflipped. I've become the Monarch. I'll draw a card. You can go. Like, that seems <laughs> that seems pretty good, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this card is really good. Um, the fact that, like you said, it's kind of good at any point in the game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's awkward that, like, if you're behind, then it's, like, 
pretty lousy. Uh, but like, if you are even on board or like, well, actually, even if you're behind, it could end up being good depending on how much mana you have. Uh, <laughs> but like, just the fact that like its power scales throughout the game. Another thing is like. In Delver Mirrors, you know, not everyone, I'm not speaking for everyone, but a lot of people yep. cut their Force of Wills or at least shave down on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they bring in a bunch of Pyro Blast. And this card is <laughs> not blue, so <laughs> getting like a nice in game threat other than Merktide Regent is really nice. Uh, especially if you do end up playing against somebody who cuts their Force of Wills and then you like put this on the stack for like X equals three. I feel like the game kind of ends. Yeah, especially if you're in a situation where you're like, okay, well, I've got this on the ground, I've got this in the air, we can trade. It's like, well, okay, well, if I suddenly add, you know, thick power to the board with haste, like, that definitely changes the map really, really quickly in the game where I was worried about one extra mana here or, you know, two extra damage there. So I, I think that's a really, really cool addition to this deck. I'm, I'm interested in playing this one as well. It's definitely on my, on my list of things to do this week. So. Plus, you do have additional removal with the Swords to Plowshares, so like you're actually able to clear the way for your tokens to get through. Yeah. And this actually, kind of going back to our discussion before, like being in red-blue is, is great for a lot of things, um, but if you look back at the Grixis Delver list, um, in order to get rid of some artifacts permanently, they're playing Cast Into the Fire, which is a card you can play, right? It's uh, modal, it's deal one damage to, each, to up to two target creatures, and you get to exile or exile target artifact. Um, being in white means you actually get access to good <laughs> uh, things that remo- that exile artifacts, which I-, I think is an important thing to be able to do in this format. Yeah, exiling artifacts with uh, the one ring around, more important mm-hmm. than ever. Yeah. And, like, honestly, I think being able to exile some, some threats out of, um, you know, Painter and things like that, like, that's that's meaningful. So I, I think there's definitely a little bit more utility there. Having access to, like, Prismatic Ending, um, at a minimum, I think, would be nice. But, you know, you can play something, like, just off the top of my head, like, a race, right? Like, not a card I'm, I'm in love with, but being able to exile something for uh, permanently, I think, is meaningful. I know there is a... Um, Okay, hybrid one. Uh, I think it's like a green and white that, that exiles um, artifacts and, or enchantments as well. Maybe artifacts and enchantments, but I'd have to look that up. Um, but yeah, definitely something interesting to, to try. I mean, once again, I think getting ninth in general is a, a heartbreaker, but I think this deck is really neat. I'm interested to see how where uh, fourth ends up. You don't want to get ninth on breakers? No, no, I don't. That's, no, I do not. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. um, while we're talking about tempo shells, did you see Preordain might be back? I did see that, yeah. Um, who, who's deck was that? I cannot remember. Peter Vanderham. Hmm, okay. I love Peter Vanderham. I don't know him personally, uh, but I don't know. <laughs> he's just constantly, like... I don't know. Every set, he's got like a great analysis of the cards that come out. He builds interesting decks, and I know you could be like, "It's basically Delver. It's not that interesting." Uh, but like, I just love that he's willing to experiment with things. Um, he's always trying like new cool things in Delver. Like I remember when Underworld Breach was out, he worked on that, and like he picked up on of Caves of Chaos Adventure right away. And just, I don't know. I, he, I think he is a very good person to have in our community. 
So always excited to see him do well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is. Uh, I think we need more people who just try stuff, even if it's, if it's not good stuff, because uh, not everything will be. But I think it's always cool to to see those kind of ideas uh, get unleashed. So, um, for those who might not have seen it, he went undefeated through the Moto Challenge on the 24th. So that was, what, Saturday, I think? Yeah, the Saturday Challenge. Um, and he played basically Grixis Delver, but minus Delver of Secrets, minus Ponder, which is a weird one to see go away, uh, mm. plus Preordain, plus the new card Council's Deliberation, which is one in a blue, draw a card, uh, and then... Whenever you scry, such as casting Pyridine, uh, if mm. this card is in your graveyard, you can exile it and draw a card. Yeah, which is not, once again, not a card I expected to see, but it makes a lot of sense, right? It's it. I mean, like, being able to have Pyridine, I guess, over Ponder, which is a weird thing to say in 2023. I think Potter, Ponder is kind of like the, I'm going to play this as guaranteed, and I guess I need more card draw. Let me play Pyridine. Uh, having preordains scry actually be a, a huge plus to actually draw you extra cards, I think, is is really interesting. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious how um, how the card actually was for him. Uh, mm. I don't I don't know if he said. I I think he actually posted. Um, I want to say he posted a vod review, so I gotta watch that at some point. Okay. The other interesting thing that he did was he played a copy of Dak Faden in his sideboard. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. An old favorite, and I wonder if it's time for this card to come back. Like, if people are casting the One Rings and, like, Goblin Welders are everywhere and stuff, just taking people's artifacts seems kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think he mentioned that the, it was intended to take the One Ring. Um, I don't think it happened for him. I, I don't think he brought it in, from what I remember, but uh, it definitely does seem like something that would be interesting. Um, and, you know, like, we... At one point in time, there was uh, people playing Dak Faden along with other kind of, like, wheel effects. Um, and last time I kind of remember this being a thing was more with Notion Thief. Uh, but, you know, I think Dak Faden and Hellbreacher would be really nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> this card, too, all makes you treasures. Yeah, one of the things with those was, like, it was always curious, like, yes, this is strong, but are you, like, is it actually what you want to be doing versus just, like, digging through your deck faster, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's definitely something to, to see. I, I feel like the, uh, like council's deliberation is in the same vein, right? If you're playing something like deck, it does make it a little better just cause you get to discard it into your graveyard and then get the effect off it anyway. It's a draw card at least without having to pay for it. If you play it preordained, but like you only do have four preordains. Like I'm not, Unless I'm missing something, I think there are literally only four scry effects in this deck. So you uh, you kind of betting a lot on a card that I wouldn't really want to play otherwise. Uh, I guess the big advantage here is like you at least have the option to play end of turn Orcish Bowmaster or end of turn Council's Deliberation. Uh, that is, I guess, something to to be happy about. Yeah. All right, well, we I think we got to the end of our, our time, unfortunately. But we I feel like we jammed a lot in there, though. It's good. We tried. We tried. Um, but last, I guess, parting thought, at least. Um, I mentioned months ago that this set is, is basically Modern Horizons 3. And you said, no, it's basically not. Um, 
where where do you think we are on the scale of this is basically a core set to uh, ten? This is just as strong as a for uh, a set as uh, Modern Horizons two. We'll say. Um, where are you on that on that scale for this um, Lord of the Rings set? It's really awkward because the card, or I mean, not the card, the set as a whole is weaker than the Modern Horizon sets, I believe. But mm. one of the things with the Modern Horizon sets is like most of those cards did not see play in Modern or Legacy, right? Like only a couple snuck mm. through, and this is very similar. So even if the average card didn't make it, there's still those couple that are sneaking through, right? Like Delighted Halfling, Orcish Bowmaster, and the One Ring, which I think are it. I'm not counting fourth because it's from the commander set. So mm -hmm. that's like, yeah, yes, I understand it's around, but that's not real. Um, yeah. So I would still say it's weaker because I feel like it's like three cards. I'm sure there's more that I'm just like not thinking of in the moment, but mm -hmm. not a lot of cards are getting through. It, but it is notable that one of them is the One Ring, which is like the strongest card that Modern has seen since, I don't know, the last Modern Horizon set, probably. Yeah, people were saying it's like it's the strongest card since Hogak, and I was like, I don't, I don't, that seems, that seems bold, but I, it probably is the strongest card since Hogak. I don't know if it's as strong as Hogak, but... Was Underworld it, Breach before or after Hogak? I think it was after. Uh, after, yeah. I would I would say Underworld Breach is stronger than the One Ring, but the One Ring just kind of slots into literally anything. So mm. uh, even if it's not as strong, like it's still obviously very strong, but it has more. It's more widely applicable. So. And I also feel like the the Underworld Breach slotted into decks that if they really wanted to could get could get cards anyways. Um, like there are ways to generate continual card advantage in. Uh, a red blue deck or a Jeskai deck or a Grixis deck, um, there are a lot less ways to get that in a mono green Tron deck. There's a lot less ways to get that in an amulet deck unless you're going to, you know, put a Colossus into play and draw a billion cards. Um, so I, I, I do feel like it, not only where it's allowed to go, but like what it does for those decks where it's allowed to go. So you you seem like it's it's definitely less than modern horizons too but it's it's not like it's weak overall i mean like that the highlights are still pretty high it's just overall it's not going to make as large of an impact as you would expect from uh, modern horizons or modern horizons 2 yeah like the impact almost feels similar but they're way less cards are getting out it's just yeah. again like if, if we remove the one ring from the equation then like i don't even think this is a conversation sure i mean this this it still is doing the thing that I kind of saw from Modern Horizons and Modern Horizons 2, where and I, when Modern Horizons 2 came out, I think we had this discussion too, where I'm like, well, I still feel there's like 15 more cards that we like we just haven't understood yet. And, you know, we eventually got a bunch of cards where it's like, oh, that's really good. Oh, that's really good. Oh, that's really good. And like, you know, some of them are obvious and some of them kind of sneak under the radar for a lot longer than we, we would expect like that. The silly crab one, the investigate, make a crab one that, you know, ended up in indomitable creativity uh, in modern. Like, there's a lot of cards like that. And, you know, I feel like we have enough. The, the Thinwise Gamgee, I think, is a, a big one, right? But, like, we had we have Rosie, which combos with the Scurry Oak, which is a Modern Horizons card. Um, we obviously have, you know, like, 
we saw the cast in the fire come into the sideboards. We saw a lot of these effects that I I feel like we're going to look at in six months and be like, what? I don't remember this card being printed. Oh, it's in, the, it's in that set. Okay, good old Lord of the Rings. Okay, here we go. Let's try this again. And, you know, we'll eventually get them all down, but, like, there's a lot of cards, I think, that are very subtly powerful that over the next six months to tw a year, we're going to be like, yep, that's a that's a modern staple. That's a modern staple. Let me pull that out of my bulk. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see what other cards uh, sneak under the radar and for how long. Yeah, I, I'll i be curious. Yeah. Uh, and with that, we should get out of here. Maps, and where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Expedition Map, and you can find me writing every Thursday for QuietSpeculation.com. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at BadLuckBandit. If you're interested in finding the show, we are at Depth underscore Podcast on Twitter. Uh, if you're interested in being able to find us anywhere else, we do have a YouTube channel. I'm going to try to upload, actually upload the video this week. Um, to our YouTube channel. Uh, we also do have our Patreon. We've got a, uh, you know, a lovely community of people who are amazing and supportive, and, you know, we we, we appreciate the continued support. Um, and if you want to join us there, that's awesome. But either way, we will see you all next week. All right? Well, I usually ask you a question at the end, right? I usually say, I guess I'll see you next week. Yeah. Well, wait, you, wait to ruin it. Well, what do you normally say? I just say, I say, see you next week. Okay, and so let me... say bye. Let's try this again. Okay, so... Now, nah, let's just uh, leave this. Uh, <laughs> so awkward. We'll, we'll just, like, fade off into the distance and, like, have a new